The church is in grave danger, this according to Our Lady's messages to seers around the world. We're going to dive into those words next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallett from Countdown to the Kingdom and thenowword.com, and I'm joined now by Professor Daniel O'Connor from Albany, New York. Yeah, I just about forgot where you live, and I've been saying it forever. <laughs> Albany, Albany, either way, whatever. We call it Albany here, but very good to be back with you, brother, as always. Been too long, as usual, unfortunately. We'll have to do these more often moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, I, people have been writing us saying how much they appreciate these webcasts, and and you know, and then they say when when's the next one? So we really appreciate your support, and and to be honest, Daniel and I, we love being together, so it's not a burden for us. But with you being a full time professor right now, and of course with my full time ministry, sometimes it's it's tough to to uh, to connect. But we're trying our best. There's, yeah, there's I'm back on campus more than usual now, uh, more than even uh, since before COVID. And uh, Mark and I both, we had tons of viruses going through our <laughs> respective households over the holidays. So finally, I think we're all just about through those, though. Just we are here. Ju- we just got over them all here. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, we had, uh, it, and I'm not kidding, five viruses went through our home between December 1st and New Year's Eve. Uh, never seen anything like that before, but we, we got through them. We're fine. Natural immunity is great, so mm-hmm. we're, we're doing good. Amen. But boy, I tell you, in the church, though, there's, a, there's other things spreading throughout the world in the church on a spiritual level, and boy, a lot happened between our last webcast and this mm-hmm. one, most especially the, the death of Benedict the Sixteenth, the death of, of Cardinal Powell, and of course, uh, as we're recording this, the World Economic Forum and the Davos, Davos is meeting, and just all kinds of controversies and war advancing. I mean, it, it, things are really happening exactly as Our Lady is saying on our website at Countdown to the Kingdom, Daniel. Yeah, as we should have expected for so many years now, and yet it's almost a bit shocking to see it coming out, you know, playing out in the news before our eyes, and yet still some people have, have slipped back into this slumbering mentality simply because things are taking a bit longer than a few people might have expected when they kind of created their own timetables over the last few years. But these uh, events, they're coming, they're hurtling towards us. And that's clear if you read the messages and if you observe the signs of the times with the light of faith, which we're going to try our humble best to do here today. And one of the the themes that's really emerged in the last week that we really picked up on the messages from Our Lady is that the church is in grave danger. And so we want to talk about what this means. What does it mean when Our Lady says the church is in grave danger? And some people say, well, how could the church be in grave danger? Jesus promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. You know, I guess I would give one example. In the book of Revelation, in the seven letters to the seven churches, in those first three chapters, those are no longer Christian nations. Those are now Islamic nations. And, you know, if you go to the to Our Lady's promise at Fatima, she says that in in Fatima, in Portugal, the faith will be preserved. Well, when she says that, that implies that the faith won't be preserved in other places. So, the Church, as Paul the Sixth said, the Lord will always preserve a small flock somewhere. 
but I mean, God's design, his, in Matthew 24, he says he wants the gospel to spread to all the nations. In Matthew 28, make disciples of all the nations. So Christ's plan is that the, the, the kingdom of God, which is the church already present on earth, would spread to the ends of the earth. But you know, when we're disobedient, when we turn away from God, and this is, this is the message of Our Lady the past century, then you're allowing this vacuum to be filled by evil. And this is the great danger that we're seeing, not only happening in the world, but now, Daniel, within the church. And so Our Lady is saying in, in a message to Angela on, uh, let's see, January 8th, 2023, she said, the church is in great danger. And uh, uh, I'll just read this, and Daniel, I'll turn the mic over to you. But she says, Pray much for my sons who are priests. My children fast and make renunciations. The church is in great danger. For her, there will be a time of great trial and great darkness. And But she adds, Do not fear. The forces of evil will not prevail. Which is exactly what our, our Lord said to us in Matthew. Yeah, and stay tuned until the end because we've got something to share from another seer from this same apparition to Our Lady of Zoro, which will put it all in perspective. But we want to start off, you know, the, the good the good news, you've always got to preface it with the bad news for it to make sense. The bad news, the church is in grave danger. Great danger, grave danger, apocalyptic danger, I, I think we can mm-hmm. safely say at this point. But what could do that? What could put the church of Jesus Christ in great danger? Uh, with, the, with all the divine protection and the miracles and the divine intervention, not the world. The world can't put the church in great danger. When the world persecutes us, we just grow. The blood of the martyrs of the seed of the church. That, that, that's, they've got, the world has got nothing on the church. They, they can barely, sure, they can kill us and persecute us, but all that does is help us. <laughs> so when the church is in great danger, this is, this is a reference to, and we'll see this in the other messages where we'll talk about in the upcoming uh, minutes here, but in and of itself, we can see that this warning is a danger from within. Because the, the gravest harm to the church is not going to come from without, but from within. The apostasy, mm-hmm. the heresy, the blasphemy, the evil, the sin, the error that's promoted, that's not merely assaulted on the church externally by those that we expect to see it from. But when it comes from the bishops the, 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 and even the cardinals, those, and perhaps even higher up sometimes, those who are directing the church in these days. And we're going to get into details later, hopefully, if we have time with the synod and everything and and comments that recent uh, great churchmen have made that indicate clearly that we're in the times where the gravest uh, heresies promoted so severely that it really becomes downright apostasy are coming from the highest levels of the church. That is the only thing that could put the church itself, herself, in great danger. Yeah, that's exactly what we're yeah. in today. And we need to understand that as individuals so that we don't succumb to that. As Dr. Ralph Martin uh, said probably 15 years ago, he said, we have never seen such a great falling away in the Catholic Church as we have in this past century. And he said, we certainly are a candidate for the great apostasy. And we can't forget Pius X. I mean, Pope Pius X, in an encyclical, said, using that very word that St. Paul used about an apostasy that would precede uh, the coming of the Antichrist, he said that we are seeing apostasy spreading like a disease. 
And so, you know, we're, we're living at a time where magisterially and prophetically and now really in the, in the news, we're seeing this apostasy um, right before our very eyes. And I think this is what Our Lady is referring to in a message that she gave to Pedro Regis. This is on January 10th of this year. She speaks of a great war. She said, the great war will cause pain and division in the house of God, and many who are fervent in faith will retreat out of fear. Do not allow the flame of faith to go out with you. Whatever happens, trust in Jesus, and after the pain will come joy. Onward, she says, without fear. Now, when I posted this message on Countdown to the Kingdom, and da- Daniel and I take turns, and Christine Watkins, our colleague, also gets in there and posting, we're all taking turns. But when I posted this and I read The Great War, for me at least, when I read that, because of the following words of division in the church, it seemed to me that Our Lady was speaking, maybe not of what's happening with Russia and so on, but a great war within the church. And that harkens back uh, to Akita. When Our Lady predicted in, I think it was 1971, that there would be bishop against bishop and cardinal against cardinal. And boy, are we seeing this today. Uh, Particularly, and we talked about this, I believe, in the last webcast, about the bishops of Belgium, the bishops of Germany, outright defying and opposing the teachings of the church on human sexuality, and now beginning to promote that which has been um, condemned from the very beginning because... Jesus has our, our, as Pope John Paul II says, he says, Jesus has our happiness at heart. You know, what, what, I can't remember that quote exactly, but he says, Gee, oh yeah, Jesus is demanding because he wishes your happiness. And so when the church teaches that certain sexual acts are out of bounds, she's, she's giving us a word because it's, because these things will bring us death. They won't bring us life. And that teaching is perennial. And as Daniel said, if we are to be martyred for upholding traditional teachings on human sexuality, on marriage and the family, then so be it. Because the church will only thrive. The the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. But Daniel, I think this is my take, at least on what Our Lady is saying. And I think we're seeing signs of this great war really heating, uh, heating up right now with this approaching synod. Mm-hmm. This is this. I think that this is a a subtle reference to the synod itself, the Great War, and we're going to see another message in a couple of minutes, hopefully, that I think is another subtle reference to the same thing. You brought up Akita, Mark, and when that message was given in the seventies, I don't think people then, Catholics then, could have imagined the degree of opposition we're seeing publicly of cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop. You couldn't comprehend then this open denunciation of one bishop to another, one cardinal to another that we see every single day today. And by the way, I'm not denouncing, I'm not denouncing that opposition categorically. That like, uh, I, I, I'm eternally grateful for the small handful of really solid bishops and cardinals out there who are speaking out against their own brother bishops and cardinals for the latter's promotion of heresy and apostasy and sin and error of all sorts. Like I, I love, uh, I, I always keep an eye on what the Bishop Strickland of Tyler is saying, and he's he's very bold. He's just one of many examples of the late Cardinal Pell was a great Cardinal Mueller. There's so many mm-hmm. like them. I shouldn't say so many. It's it's a hand, it's proportionally a, a small handful, but they're speaking out against the evil being promoted in preparation for this synod. 
by their own brother bishops. So that's very good that they're doing that. But the point is, this is clearly a fulfillment of that prophecy to a degree that no one, no Catholic would have expected in the 70s. This was all behind the scenes mm -hmm. then. Bishops and cardinals, they opposed each other in their little private behind the scenes things, never publicly or extremely rarely publicly. When you see what we're seeing today on the news, you know that this is an enormous sign of the times, this opposition. But this is a preparation for this great war. Now, this great war, why what, the, the message here that we just that Mark just read, causing pain and division in the house of God. Well, clearly this division, the division is not itself of God. God does not, Jesus does not want us divided, but he wants us to accept division if that is the consequence of staying with the truth. Jesus, right. he, has these par he has these statements in the gospel that they seem at odds, but you just have to understand them correctly. He comes, he says, I come uh, to, as a sword that divides, but then he says he, he, he's, the prince of, he's the prince of peace as well. But that division is something that we never want division for its own sake. Never. Right. You, know, you don't ever go seeking out divisions with friends and family or in the church. Of course not. But always stand for the truth. Right. It doesn't mean you always have to walk up to people and beat them over the head with it in certain ways. But you always, you always stand with the truth in your own convictions and your own principles, and you never violate that. And if that means mm -hmm. that your friends or family members are going to denounce you, then so be it. You accept that division is coming from the permissive will of God. And that's what we're seeing the superlative degree of today in this, this prep all. And so much of this centralizes around the preparation for this synod on synodality, which what the, this is interesting. It's like God's timeline of play was scheduled to come to its conclusion this year. But it was just delayed. Pope Francis delayed it until 2024. Yeah. So it's almost like the time, it's like things are being moved out a little bit, but it's still very much in play. This is all absolutely happening, but it's being slowed down slightly, but it's right. still right here. And, and St. Paul said, he said, strive for unity with one another. And so, you know, this is why both Daniel and I have, have really stressed the importance of remaining in communion with the Pope. And uh, some people misinterpret that. Remaining in communion with the Pope does not mean remaining in communion with his opinions on certain matters. And this Pope, more than any Pope, of course, in our recent memory, my ministry spans, I guess, uh, three, three, four Popes. My life would span four Popes. I don't think we've ever seen a Pope who's just so ready to speak off the cuff and um and and without measure without proper qualification at times and, and putting proper context in what he's saying and it really has thrown a lot of um well frustration i, I personally i don't find it confusing because the teachings of the church are clear the, the catechism is clear so when the pope says something in a in, in a in a in an interview uh, that seems scandalous. I just go well, well. The church's teaching is clear, and it doesn't. You know what the Pope says in an interview is not magisterial, so we need to make that point clear. But you know, here we're we're we're, we're showing yeah, a, even the homilies and, and and yeah. Sorry, hey, we've and I'll apologize. We I've got my we've got a bit of a lag here, so yeah, if we, we speak do. over each other. If there's pauses, it's it's something going on with the internet. There's sometimes like five seconds in between, as uh, usual, <laughs> seeing and hearing each other. <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> this never happens while we're talking, preparing, but then suddenly when we get ready to record, the, the old red legs comes in and starts messing with our connections. But anyway, Every time. I, I'll reiterate that. And I'm sure my, my viewers or listeners are, I'm sure so sick of hearing it, but too bad. I'm going to keep saying it. You just go back to the catechism every single time you're confused. 
This is what the seers have been saying for years and years and years. Seer after seer after seer, different languages, different countries. They're all saying stick with the true magisterium. Why that qualification, true? Why, why do they stick that word in there? Why don't they just say the magisterium? We now know it's because there's going to be a shadow magisterium. And it's going to be this, this charade. But it's never going to make it into the true magisterium, the actual text of the actual magisterial document. It's going to be all this. The bishops conferences are saying this and individual bishops are saying this. And the pope is even saying it right. as his own opinion. But if you open up the catechism, you can still find the truth, the true magisterium in there. And the catechism, it settles all of the con the, the, the controversial. They shouldn't be controversial, but the controversial issues that are being dealt with in the lead up to the synod, the catechism settles all of them. If you mm -hmm. stick with that, you'll be fine because God is good. He's not trying to, he's not giving us an IQ test to see who's going to pass the, who, who's going to make it through the great apostasy. It's not an IQ test. It's a test of the, it, it's a will. It's about the will, not the intellect. It's about a more right. moral and spiritual test. If you want to know the truth and stick with it, it's not hard and you'll know it and you'll be able to stick with it by God's grace through the teachings of the catechism. Right. So, so don't be confused. And now listen, if you're someone out there who's, you know, you've got a moral question and, and you suddenly Pope Francis seems to be saying something like divorce and remarried can have communion or people can live in a civil union. Um, you need to do your homework. Uh, I, I mean, we had here in Canada, the Winnipeg statement. This is back in the 1960s. It came out and the bishop said to follow your conscience. And, you know, I'll tell you, there's eight years between me and my my little brother because the bishops wrote the Winnipeg Statement. It was eight years later that my mom and dad finally read, read Humanae Vitae. They started to get good advice from a priest who was faithful. And they discovered, you know, no, this th these these bishops were wrong. And thanks be to God, we have the gift of my little brother. And that little baby came along and brought us so much joy. But yeah. you have to do your homework. Even when my wife and I got married, you know, we were faced with the issue of birth control. And uh, ironically, we hadn't really looked into it. And it wasn't until a year in our marriage we began to study what the church's teachings were and accept them, because you cannot pick and choose what Jesus has taught. We have to be faithful to every single word of our Lord, and, and everything from our Lord brings life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus shows us the way by the truth that he teaches that then brings us life. But we have bishops, Amen. as Daniel is saying right now, we have bishops right now who are departing from the truth. And thus we hear also from Our Lady to Lise de Maria de Bonilla on January 9th, 2023. She says, the church of my son is becoming more divided. My favored sons, the priests are divided. An attack will cause the church of my son to go into schism. True doctrine will prevail and my son will always be the king of his mystical body. This generation of modernism, which we know sprang from revolutionaries and, and, and people who wanted to change the church, this modernism will fall into its own trap, she says. And so, this, this, there's a warning. Now, Our Lady is saying an attack will come. I, Daniel, do you have any thoughts? I, I mean, I'm, I haven't really thought this through. I'm not really sure what she means by an attack. But, I mean, I, I, you know, we don't like to speculate a lot on this show. Uh, it, it could be an attack from other bishops. Uh, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. but 
Yeah, an attack causing the church. I mean, I, I, I think that there will be an attack on the Eucharist, certainly. I think right. that, that the devil, above all, working through his minion, the Antichrist, or the minions of the Antichrist, you know, he's got the, his own demonic hierarchy, lowerarchy, as C.S. Lewis would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, above all, want to eliminate the sacrifice of the mass. That's the most powerful uh, weapon here. And I yeah. think that this attack, I think that they are working overtime right now. And I think the Synod is part of this. Yes, to overthrow the moral law. They want to get rid of church infallible teaching on homosexuality and marriage and all that. And contraception. And as Mark said, humanae vitae, that's infallible. That's the magisterium. It can never change, never will change. But I also think that they are above all want to get rid of the mass by this attack on the Eucharist. And how can they attack the Eucharist? There's only two things they can do to eliminate the Eucharist. They can substantially modify its matter or form. So I'm begging you to be on the lookout for this. If they change the words, and I think this, there's already these um, rumblings of, their, of them trying to change the mass. If they try to change the words of consecration to anything other than this is my body, whatever the language, but this is my body, that's not a valid consecration. It can't, you can't say this is Christ's body or this is like my body or this is a symbol of Christ. Anything like that, that's not the consecration. That's mm-hmm. not a valid mass. Don't go to it. So this, the, this attack, I think that's going to cause a schism because there will be those who say this is unacceptable. We have no authority to modify what Christ handed down in public revelation, which is the matter and the form of the sacraments, uh, among other things. But the form is the words. The matter is bread. It's got to be wheat bread. It can't be anything else. Can't be a, right. It can't be uh, any other food but wheat bread. So I think they're going to try to do that. So, so I, w- I would caution you to be on guard against that. And those who are faithful to Christ, I think we're going to have to go underground. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to. I think they're going to drive us underground, and we got to be ready for that. Start forming right. networks now. You know, know the devout Catholics in your area. Be in touch with them. That's what I'd say. And then the devout right. priests, the real solid priests. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's a good interpretation. I think yeah. If there's any attack, there's the attack on two things. Jesus said, "I am the truth," and Jesus said, "I am the bread of life." So mm-hmm. both of those things right now are are mm-hmm. completely under assault. And, and, and so sad to say within the Catholic Church itself. And, um, you know, but as a sign of hope, we're still seeing people coming into the church. I mean, I'm still seeing online certain people saying, you know, I just entered the church. And mm-hmm. you might think, well, how could that be? And it's because the truth itself is Jesus. I am the truth, he said. And Jesus attracts, he draws souls by that truth. And and thanks be to God, you know, we've we've got... Wonderful apostolates like like Catholic Answers, um, you know, in terms of apologetics, maybe not so much on private revelation, but on apologetics. On uh, just had to throw that in there, um, uh, and uh, and uh, we've we've got Scott, Doctor Scott Hahn, and others, converts to the Church who have just been absolute. Uh, foundation stones for people to stand on and 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 to to uh, to turn to. I think in the, in the midst of all this confusion, and EWTN, of course, their apostolate for many years was just so effective, and I believe continues to be effective in promoting the faith. So these these are godsends yeah. in our times, right? These are these are signs yeah, that God has given us. Oh, God always wins. He, he yeah. wins even in the midst of this great these great trials, and that's every message we've read so far, and all the ones will continue to read these are not doom and gloom these are our critics are always saying oh doom and gloomers do have they spent a minute 
to listen to what we're saying or read <laughs> what we put on. No, they just want to attack us for reasons I won't speculate about. But anyway, there's all messages of hope and all of them. The, the, a lady or Jesus, whoever's giving the message is saying, but God is in charge, but God is going to triumph, but God is, he's got all this under control. He's this, this one we just read, um, courage, uh, where was that? There was something I wanted to uh, comment on specifically. But anyway, the gist of it is all the same. Jesus has a plan here. And even in the midst of all this turmoil and chaos, he's still converting souls, saving souls, yeah. sanctifying souls. So don't for a second let any of these grave warnings cause you to become hesitant or timid or tepid or even retreat in the mission. This is a call to advance in the mission of evangelization, yeah. proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom. Those uh, you can still you can still influence a multitude of souls, and you will be surprised by those who are who are willing to hear his word, if only you're willing to proclaim it. Daniel, there is a passage in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that says that the church, in the end, will face not not necessarily the end of the world, but in these 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 end times, which, as we've explained in other webcasts, we're not coming to the end of the world; we're coming to the end of an era. And before us, according to Our Lady, lies a period of peace, an era of peace. And so there's so much hope before us. Um, but one of the things the Catechism teaches is that the Church will face a final trial in which the faith of many will be shaken, it teaches. And I've, I've thought a lot about that passage, Daniel. I, I've thought, you know, what would shake the faith of many? And I think what we're seeing right now with the successor to Peter is shaking many people because, uh, you know, we've always believed and we continue to believe that the chair of Peter protects the, the doctrine of the faith, that that Pope is there to safeguard the faith. And yet, as we said earlier in the webcast, there's been so many things that have come off the cuff and uh, other things that are spontaneously said by this Pope that, that are sometimes I might even say outrageous, Daniel. Um, they're confusing. Uh, take, for instance, the Scalfari interviews. And, uh, you know, here, here you've got Pope Benedict, uh, or sorry, Pope Francis, rather, you know, saying, speaking to this, this, um, um, uh, atheist, Scalfari, who's an aged man, he's a journalist. Uh, I think he gave him one or two interviews and out of the, he doesn't record the interviews. He doesn't write them down. And he only later, you know, writes them in the magazine. And Scalfari, who is a friend of Pope Francis, claimed that that Jesus, that the Pope said that Jesus was not God. Uh, in another interview, he he claimed uh, that the Pope said that there's no hell. And so, the Vatican, you know, I think tried to kind of clear this up, but but it was a very weak. And and as you mentioned, Daniel. The Pope hasn't said anything himself. He didn't come out in a general audience and kind of, without, you know, maybe hurting his friend or criticizing him publicly, he could have come out and cleared these things up. So, my point is this. We've got many things right now that are shaking the faith of many, uh, I think, through this papacy. And that brings us to another message, Daniel, from uh, Pope, uh, sorry, to Pedro Regis on January 17th. And it's kind of a bit of a enigmatic message, but Our Lady says, Key from hand to hand, and the pain will be great for the faithful. I ask you to keep the flame of your faith alight. She says it again. Do not forget the owner of the vineyard. 
takes care of the vineyard and his people will not be abandoned. Pray, pray, pray. So Our Lady is saying, Jesus, the owner of the vineyard, you know, he takes care, or the Father, he takes care of his people. Don't worry about that. But there's something about the key which really seems to, you know, pretend something to do with the keys of the kingdom that Jesus said, and he gave exclusively to Peter in Matthew 16. Right. Key from, I mean, that's, it's almost, that's so enigmatic because it's just, it's not even grammatically sensible, but that's, I think that's intentional with this is, this is kind of a riddle, but key from hand to hand, the clear, the, the, the clear, the most obvious interpretation of that is the keys of Peter, of course. And that's why mm-hmm. I put there the, the picture of the statue of Peter with the keys as the image for this, that this is an implication that there will be a great trial from the passing on of the keys. No, in other mm-hmm. words, one Pope to the next. But the, and the sentence before that talks about you are heading for a future of disorder in the house of God. A number of prophecies have, in, have implied, if not outright indicated, that an anti-pope will come. And that anti-pope may well be the false prophet himself. So you better, and I don't want to make any statements here or specific predictions, because I have no idea. I, I'm not a prophet and I don't know exactly what's coming. But I would be very, I would, I would encourage you to be very cautious with what comes next. If Pope Francis resigns or dies in the next pope, be very, just be very careful look carefully at it to make sure this is this was valid and and all of that because the antichrist the beast works as we know from revelation in tandem with the false prophet and the false prophet is more of a religious figure the antichrist more of a secular figure but the false prophet of course will want to sit in the house of god and throw in the abomination of desolation in the house of god and that would be the most obvious interpretation of that would be an anti-pope mm-hmm. so for the pain to be great for the faithful that implies an enormous persecution coming seemingly from the house of God, this disorder in the house of God. But Our Lady, the very next thing Our Lady says, she says, keep the flame of faith alight and do not forget the owner of the vineyard takes care of his vineyard. The Pope is not the owner of the vineyard. The vineyard is the church, his people. The Pope is just the vicar. He's just a stand-in for a, mm-hmm. a small number of years. Jesus Christ owns the vineyard and he will never leave the vineyard he promised that he would be with us until the end of time and that is an absolute promise so he will never abandon you he'll never abandon the church and he's always going to be there for those who sincerely seek him the times yes they will get confusing and even darker and more evil still but they will never be beyond it will never get so bad that a person of truly goodwill sincerely seeking the truth will not be able to find it you always will be able to but you gotta heed these messages especially the very next thing it says after that pray 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 pray. pray. yeah daniel you you mentioned an anti-pope and uh, i'm gonna bring up an article now that uh we we at the now word we ignored it at the now word signs which is our MeWe group which we are publishing headlines uh, daily uh, from around the world really tracking the seven seals of revelation in real time but one of the articles that came up we 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 set it aside because it's it's really quite scandalous but now it's in the mainstream media it's been published on uh, uh, catholic websites and in this story and he want to talk about the possibility maybe of how an anti-pope could, could be this is just a hypothesis i'm not saying that this would be the case but um in this story you have Pope Francis, apparently, according to some seminarians, 
he gave a talk and he cursed, I mean, literally used curse words uh, regarding delinquent priests who, who the Pope said would withhold absolution from people. And this in this story, the Pope was apparently saying that you should always give absolution. You know, and in the past, we know priests have, have not given absolution when they sense that uh, someone is not repentant. I mean, classic story would be Pope, uh, or sorry, St. Peel, you know, who sometimes would not absolve people because he knew he could read souls and knew they were holding something back. Or in sometimes in the case of where the church hasn't given the power to absolve, in the case I, I know um, in some dioceses where, where the woman comes and confesses an abortion, something like that, some bishops have reserved that as there, something that only a bishop can absolve. But let's just say this story. We don't know if it's true, but the story really now is that this has hit the mainstream, Daniel, and it's really quite scandalous. I don't even want to repeat some of the words allegedly that the Pope had used. But let me just throw this as a hypothesis. Let's just say that this story is true, and it creates so much scandal that there's pressure now on Pope Francis to resign. And Pope Francis, by the way, wait, I don't have the story up right now, has kind of flown through his general audiences and outright said that he, he, he could resign, and it's hinted almost that it's on the horizon. But in the case where a pope is pressured to resign— it could create a situation where the next pope, even if he's a saint who's elected, is an anti-pope. Because according to the church's canon law, a pope must resign of his own free will and accord. And this is why, Daniel, we saw Pope Benedict repeatedly say that he resigned of his own accord, he resigned in peace, and Archbishop George, his personal secretary affirmed again that Pope Benedict said before his death, there is only one Pope, it's not me, it's Pope Francis. But in the case of Pope Francis, if he were pressured to resign, if he went out of, not of his own accord, we could very well have an anti-Pope. And I'll tell you, if we could have an anti-Pope who outright teaches just blatantly heresy, and it would throw such mass confusion because keep in mind, if he doesn't legitimately hold the keys of the kingdom, he's not protected by Christ. He's not gifted with the charism of infallibility. And this could, you know, fulfill these prophecies really fast of division in the house, of confusion, of pain, and so on in the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if, if Francis himself didn't hold those keys i think he would have caused that years ago because i would just and i'm not accusing him of being a formal heretic that's that's above my pay grade but i think he has a number of personal opinions that are that are materially contrary to church teaching and i'm not saying he's taught those magisterially but there seems to be some some mysterious force preventing him from teaching those magisterially we know what that is it's not a force it's a person it's the holy spirit but what if he didn't have that protection? There, there would be there would probably be a lot of heresies. Memoris Aetitia, for example, mm -hmm. you brought you the article you had there in the screen. Mark it said that he's denouncing those as this is not magisterial. Of course, this is uh, speeches, homilies, interviews. None of this is magisterial. Mm -hmm. Denouncing those withholding uh, absolution, but you must a priest must withhold absolution if there's no repentance. This is another attack against the matter and form of a sacrament. The matter 
of the sacrament of penance, of con the confession. The matter of that is the penitence of the penitent, meaning it is just as ontologically impossible for a priest to absolve an impenitent penitent as it is for a priest to consecrate a piece of iron. It cannot be done. To say, oh, just absolve them anyway, even if they have no intention to try to stop committing adultery or fornication or masturbation or whatever, even if, if they have no intent to try to stop, they have, that means they have no repentance. And if they have no repentance, the sacrament of confession is nothing. It's impossible. So just as the, that is nevertheless said, okay, just do it. That's the same thing as saying, okay, just say mass anyway, even if all you have on the altar there is a coconut. Just try it, just consecrate. That can't, you can't, a priest cannot consecrate that because Jesus Christ in public revelation settled the matter of the Eucharist. So this attack against the most fundamental possible things of the faith, morals and the sacraments here, this is, this is happening everywhere. So Pope Francis, he's been prevented because I believe, and I believe he is the Pope, he's been prevented by the Holy Spirit in virtue of Christ's promise to Peter, prevented from teaching any of these things magisterially. And Morris Laetitia, it did not say that an unrepentant adulterer can be absolved. It might have, uh, one interpretation says that, and Pope Francis non-magisterially said that's the right interpretation. But in order for that interpretation, the heretical interpretation, to become magisterium, another act of magisterium would have to make it magisterial. We have we've got to be logical here, guys. And that's never happened. So this is why the, the straight and narrow way of our Lord is razor thin today. But again, as I said several minutes ago, it's not an IQ test. You can still very easily stay on it with the catechism. But the ultimate shaking of the faith might well come from an anti-pope coming next who will not have that divine protection, but who will be treated as the pope by most. But, but because he doesn't have that divine protection, he will formally and explicitly teach heresies and eradicate the sacraments in his actual magisterium. It won't be magisterium because he's not the pope. He'll be the false prophet. But he will succeed through those decrees in requiring heresy of all the faithful and eradicating the sacraments. And that's when we go full-blown underground. Yeah. We've got to be ready for that. And I, th I think we're already seeing such mass confusion already. Uh, and, you know, some people call them rad trads or, you know, radical traditionalists. I mean, Daniel, we are traditionalists. If you're a faithful Catholic, you are a traditionalist, period. Um, you accept all the teachings of the Catholic Church from the beginning of time, through all the councils, through uh, all the encyclicals, everything that has been taught, and you accept that. And, uh, you know, for the record, I mean, I don't attend the Latin Rite, but I think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful liturgy. And all the rites, all the Eastern rites, I think they're even po possibly even more beautiful. The Byzantine rite, the Ukrainian divine liturgy, and so we have so much diversity and beauty in the Catholic Church. I'm a traditionalist, and I hold all of that. But we're seeing now even, you know, a, a new, and the, you know, I have to say, the Lord warned me about this 17 years ago, I, I started to read about these people called Cetivacantus who believe that the seat of Peter is empty. In fact, you know, forget about Pope Francis. They don't think that the, the last five, six popes are even valid popes. They're starting to come out of the woodwork. And I think mm -hmm. we're just going to see 
tremendous confusion that people like you and I who are faithful to the teachings of the church, they're going to exclude us. They're going to call us, uh, you know, apostates and that they're the true church, which to me, the seat of a contest are just another form of Martin Luther uh, with a different colored halo. And so mm-hmm. mass confusion happening right now. Uh, but listen, let, let's move on from that because we're talking about the Pope and we certainly can't, I think, miss this message from Gisela Card- Cardia about our dear Pope Benedict XVI who has gone on to heaven. And this, again, is another enigmatic, another interesting message in which Our Lady says, My children, the times toward which you are headed will be hard and that is why I ask you to increase your prayer and especially the prayer of the Holy Rosary, a powerful weapon against evil. And I'll just pause there for a moment because I just want to point out here again the prophetic consensus that you're hearing from every one of these seers. They keep saying you're heading toward hard times, you need to pray, and you need to pray the Rosary. So, you know, here's a consistent voice of Our Lady and what we call, again, the prophetic consensus. Let's move on. She says, My children... Now, more than before, you will be in need of protection. She says this, You no longer have the lightning rod praying for you, but you must be ready and prepare for the transformation of your souls. Later on the message, she says, I tell you that the Holy Father is before God in paradise and asks you to love one another. I think it's pretty clear, Daniel, that she's speaking about our Holy Father, Pope Benedict, who's gone on to heaven. But she calls him yes. the lightning rod. And that's interesting, isn't it, Daniel? <laughs> that is prophetic and symbolic to the extreme, if ever anything was. This image, there it is. The, we all remember this, I'm sure. Lightning striking the most symbolic, <laughs> literal point in all of Christendom, right after Pope Benedict resigned from the papacy. If that wasn't a sign, I don't know what what is a sign. Right. So. This, this, so right at that moment, we see the dome of St. Peter's Basilica being a literal lightning rod. And what does a lightning rod do? It takes, you know, all these potentially extremely destructive bolts of lightning from the surrounding areas, and it draws it into itself to protect these surrounding areas. So Pope Benedict, Our Lady here is implying, he was like that, not just as Pope, but even in the last 10 years when he was just Pope Emeritus. And I think that's absolutely valid. And I talked about this in my blog recently, and that just makes logical sense that all the wolves, all the false prophets among our clergy and bishops and cardinals who are trying to change the church's teachings, especially through this synod, and they know that Pope Francis won't stop them. Uh, so so they're, they're having their heyday here, but there's been one thing especially preventing them. If they came out in full force and tried to institute the great apostasy before our eyes in the, pre, in the preceding years, they knew that there was someone there in the hall there is right there in rome and he could have come out and said i may not be the reigning pope but i am still pope emeritus and i denounce this in the strongest terms and i implore and exhort every man of goodwill in the face of the planet to stand against this they knew that pope benedict always could have done that even as pope emeritus and if he did that that would have stopped their plans that that would have stopped it in their in its tracks they they knew that they knew they couldn't do this in full force with benedict alive so with him dead, that's like a restrainer. That's like a, a force restraining evil being removed, a right. lightning rod, as mm-hmm. Gisela says here, being removed. This changes a lot. And we can't calculate the effects of this yet. We're still only a few weeks in 
to the death, to the era of Pope Benedict dying. And this right. is, it was so prophetic to me also that Pope Benedict died on New Year's Eve. It was almost like God saying, okay, a new year is starting. This is a new, a whole new realm of prophecy and signs starting now. The, with him gone, I think that the, that the, the minions of the Antichrist, I think they are now really setting up their plans to become uh, implemented much more rapidly. Yeah, and and uh, you know they, you mentioned the word restrainer, which uh, harkens Second Thessalonians chapter two, in which in which and we mentioned the apostasy, and Saint Paul says he says that first there will come the apostasy, and then that which is restraining the lawless one, who is the Antichrist, will be removed. And Saint Paul says to his readers in Thessalonia, he says, um, "You know what this is." And he, he says that to them in the letter. Unfortunately, he doesn't say what it is for us who are reading it 2,000 years later. And so there's been all kinds of speculations. I've done an article on it at the Now Word, so you can go to my website and read, uh, type in the word restrainer in the search bar, and you'll that article will pop up, and you can read about removing the restrainer. What is it? And the different interpretations. Some of the church fathers thought it was the Roman Empire finally collapsing. Uh, others have thought it was St. Michael the Archangel. Um, but one of the interpretations is that I think is, is really credible, too, is that it's actually the Pope himself. And that Peter, that St. Paul knew that Peter held the keys of the kingdom and that when this figure, Peter, would be removed somehow, that this restrainer would allow the the antichrist to come forth now i have to say about this we've had periods in between papal elections that have gone on for years where the a new pope wasn't elected or there was an anti-pope in the seat of peter and yet the antichrist hasn't come what i would say at this point in history that could possibly point to benedict of being possibly the restrainer of some kind and i believe one of one of our seers re- referred to this uh, as to benedict hinted at this as, and i won't say who because i believe it was said to us privately but you have a pope now who is not restraining the apostasy you know, it, it, it's it's one thing for these bishops to come out in Germany and Belgium and elsewhere in the world and promote completely heterodox teachings, but it is another thing for the Holy Father not to publicly correct them, not to even publicly correct his own alleged statements and in interviews such as Scalfari and so on. And what this is allowing to happen is for the apostasy now, it, it seems to be... To me, Daniel, it seems to be unrestrained at this point, where bishops seem to be emboldened. And you recall that St. Peter said, when I am gone, wolves will come up among you. St. Paul was prophesying right then and there that wolves would come up right within the church. And even from the beginning, we know that Jesus appointed of the twelve, one of them was a Judas. Even Peter himself denied our Lord. And that was pre-Pentecost and post-Pentecost. In Galatians 2, we read that St. Paul went up to Jerusalem, met Cephas, Peter, face to face, and said, you are not in line with the gospel. And so, we know that even though the popes 
there's a guarantee of infallibility. It doesn't mean that popes don't stumble. We have a history of popes who, in fact, were downright evil, who sold their papacy, who fathered children. Um, and, and, and so we know it's a very human church, even though she's one holy Catholic and apostolic. But I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Daniel, but I think we have a condition right now in which even though we have, from all metrics we have right now, a valid pope, in place. And the Pope Benedict himself was the one who stressed this over and over. And maybe let me pause and put in parenthesis right now. Sure, it's possible that evidence could come forward from a cardinal or a group of cardinals suggesting that the election of Pope Francis was not valid. And therefore, Pope Francis all this time has not been protected by the charisms of infallibility and so on. But until then, we're in a situation where every single cardinal of that conclave has stated that this, this was a valid election. And, you know, there was an interview with Dr. Ralph Martin in which he spoke to cardinals. I thought it was very enlightening. And he said he was speaking to very orthodox and faithful cardinals who said, look, when we elected Pope Francis, we felt the Holy Spirit was moving us in that direction. We felt that's what, where the Spirit was moving. So I think that's, that's an important testimony. But I think we're in a place right now where that lightning rod of Pope Benedict, one of the greatest theologians in the last century, if not many centuries, is no longer there. And I thought you said it well, Daniel, that, that with him gone now, it seems that there is now a boldness and perhaps the restrainer has been removed and we are now seeing preparations for the coming and emergence of the Antichrist. Yeah, and it's confirmed by what Our Lady says next to Gisela, that today evil is celebrating, believing that it is one, taking souls away, deluding them into in, deluding them into the thinking that the lights of the world, power and lust are more hmm. important than prayer and God. So it's like the it's like the devil is celebrating this removal of Benedict as a restrainer, uh, uh, celebrating this as a victory. Mm-hmm. But five, then then our lady goes on to describe the chastisements that are coming. We've talked about this quite a few times already. Fire falling from heaven, natural disasters, earthquakes, floods following one another as never before. And we're seeing that. That's all going to happen. Yeah, we're seeing that. We're going to see it increase vastly. Mm-hmm. But but the point, but and that's she's changing tone. But this is all related. What's going on with the church and the world? Those are not two separate things. I mean, yes, they're they're separate in one sense. But this is all part of the same apocalyptic apocalyptic right. age that we're living in. The chastisements coming to the church and the world. The whole world will indeed be punished for the sins of the church. And for if you really want to know what's going on. You don't have to look to, um, uh, in terms of the apocalyptic strife, you don't have to look above all to Manhattan and London. You look to Rome. That's, hmm. that's, that's what really determines what's going on yeah. in the real apocalyptic battle. So when we see the devil rejoicing over the removal of this lightning rod restrainer, we know that something is going on. God is going to act. Though. He's going to intervene. That's as we said earlier, the recurring theme here. Say, so, yes, this is going to get worse and worse, but God is still absolutely in charge. He's going to intervene. Physically speaking, we're going to see the repercussions. The elements rebel in proportion to the evil of mankind. It's it's not because they're persons, they don't have reason or anything. It's just automatic. Nature rebels yeah. 
it's got nothing to do with global warming or climate change or any of that nonsense. It's just a, it's just how God made the elements. They rebel in proportion to mankind's sinfulness. All creation is growing. Advances, mm-hmm. All creation groans with eager expectation yeah. for the revelations of the sons of God. That's what it's all waiting for. This era of peace, this triumph of the divine will. And that's what we only have a few minutes left here. So that's what we'll leave you off with before mm-hmm. we run out of time here. But these, uh, that's what you must keep in mind as these disasters increase the earthquakes, the floods, the volcanoes, and even the societal disasters. The, the, the same message says that war will invade Europe. This is all coming as a consequence mm-hmm. of the sins inside and outside the church, but especially inside the church, this apostasy leading up to the synod. That's all itself a purification, a preparation for the reign of the divine will, the fulfillment of the Our Father, and that is what we must keep our eyes fixated upon. This is not a message of doom. This is a message of hope. All of that, we have to be honest about what's coming. Otherwise, we're just lying to ourselves and others. But at the same time, we are overwhelmed with zeal and joy and excitement for what we ourselves can be the very people to bring, uh, to be remembered for all eternity as those who brought it about upon earth, the evangelists of the third fiat, the kingdom of the divine will on earth. This is all preparation for that. As Benedict said when he was a cardinal, he said, they asked him, why are you why are you such a pessimist? And he said, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And so we have to be realistic about what's happening because it's happening right in front of our eyes. And so it's happening right in the church. And Our Lady goes on to say to Gisela, therefore I ask prayers for the church and the corrupt men within her. They have now lost their way. Many priests, bishops, and cardinals are in confusion. And, you know, we're not going to get into detail on that, but I mean, the last three years during this entire pandemic, there's no question there was confusion as the sacraments were set aside. And now the consequence, Daniel, the late, we just saw this study come out, 30% of Catholics who left the church Uh, who did 30 percent of catholics rather have not come back to church after covid19 we have lost a third it's the it's the story of the century a third of Mm -hmm. catholics have not come back to church it's because of the confusion we've never lost that many that quickly oh it's incredible that reminds me just a message we were just looking at just just earlier in this episode pedro a lady told pedro regis Mm -hmm. many who are fervent in the faith will retreat out of fear oh yeah yeah there's so many aspects to that. There are many who we thought were devout. And I'm seeing it. You're seeing it all the time. We talked earlier about people coming into the church, and thanks be to God that's happening. But so many people are also losing the faith today yeah. who you never would have dreamt before would have lost it. Do not be among, you know, don't look down on them. Don't think, oh, I'm so much better than that. No. You take that as an, as an invitation to pray, to beg God for the grace of perseverance. If you persevere and asking God for the grace of perseverance, he will give you the grace of perseverance. Keep asking, though, humbly. Don't ever think of yourself as beyond some temptation. You, in humble and in absolute humility, you come before God as a poor beggar as you are and beg him for the grace to persevere. Then he'll give it to you. He'll give you that grace. Our Lady Daniel, she's she, um, to continually telling us, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Like all of this is always in. Is, is always measured by Our Lady with a word of hope. It's not a false hope. It Heaven doesn't lie. She's saying, don't be afraid. Now, she's not saying, you're not going to have pain. I think we're all going to suffer. Those of us who are faithful. As Daniel said earlier, I believe we will go underground. We just heard the G20 
approved uh, these digital IDs that will be tied to your vaccine status, for instance. I mean, we're moving rapidly toward the mark of the beast. We've said in so many webcasts, it's so plausible now. We're just mere steps away from it. But Satan is gathering his army, but so is God. God is gathering his army because I think we, with the approaching warning, this illumination of conscience, we are going to see the greatest grab back of God, of souls who right now are on their way to perdition. And it's a final warning because the church has reached this, in a sense, an existential crisis. We've reached this point where if God didn't intervene, uh, you know, Satan may destroy the church. And so God's going to intervene and he's also going to purify the world so that the gospel will be vindicated. The meek will inherit the earth. There will be an air of peace and the gospel will go to the ends of the nations as a witness to them. And by the gospel, I don't mean just that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and you need to believe in him. That's the first step. The real fullness of the gospel that will be a witness to the nations is when the kingdom of the divine will reigns on earth and the, the nations witness the children for whom the, all of creation is groaning when they witness those sons and daughters living in the divine will and God restoring the original harmony of creation and restoring that and God saying, see, I have accomplished what I set forth to do, which is to bring all of creation toward that perfection. And even though Satan will have a reprisal at the very end of time, when, and we know that fire will fall from heaven, Satan will be thrown into hell, and then comes the final judgment, God will have vindicated his word. So that that's what's coming. And so in order for this to happen, Our Lady is gathering her army. And she says to us, in, in the, and these will be the words I close with because we're running out of time. But on January 8th to Simona, Our Lady said, I come to you to gather my army, an army that fights against evil, my army ready with the Holy Rosary in its hands. For there is no weapon against evil stronger than prayer. My army that knows how to pause on its knees before the blessed sacrament of the altar my army that knows how to love and forgive my army that knows how to pray without ceasing without tiring that offers everything to the Lord my children if you want to be part of my army say your yes with strength and conviction take the rosary in your hands and pray my beloved children do not fear I am with you Thank you.